0: broadcasting live from every town in every country during times of war, peace, and everything in between. This is Comedy for the Blind. Justin, where are we? Well, Travis, we're actually in a professional recording studio on Hollywood Boulevard.
1: No, I know, and I appreciate the wink no one else can see, but where are we, like, for people listening to us. We're in their headphones.
2: Or their cars.
1: Right, okay, but what's this meeting about? Like, why, why did you make us all drive to the studio separately and record us talking? Justin and I carpooled.
2: We also got milkshakes.
1: You guys got milkshakes?
0: We're here because Evan and I have an idea for a podcast.
2: Oh my,
1: you, you guys have an idea for a podcast? Wow, wow, that's so unique. Do you guys have birthdays too?
3: I do, but Justin doesn't. It was yesterday.
1: Hey, guys, we have a podcast. It's called Rotten Potatoes, and we haven't done one in two years. Trav, no offense, you
0: goddamn idiot. And I'm saying no offense, you can't get mad at me. You fucking asshole. Rotten Potatoes was just a circle jerk starring four white babies.
1: That was one episode.
3: Trav, it doesn't matter. Storytelling is where every medium eventually lands. Look at This American Life, Radiolab, The Moth, and other Caucasian interests. Could
0: you not make everything about race? Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'll just pretend I'm not woke. No, let's go back
3: right in the nightmare.
2: Guys, I hate to burst your bubble, but what you're describing sounds an awful lot like the early days of radio.
3: Yeah, which everyone loved. Granted, it was the Great Depression, but... But what? Radio
0: used to be the sole source of entertainment. There were... Wacky characters and vaudeville zingers and dames. Jack Benny, Bob Hope, Amos and Andy. Amos and Andy, who, Evan, I'm sorry, I really don't mean to do this, are two white actors that played all black
2: characters. Wait, is that for real? Did they wear black voice? (laughs) Oh, so that's not funny now? Okay, you bring me here, press record, force me to chug my milkshake so now I don't have a treat when I need it.
1: What do you guys think Deadpool 2 is on Metacritic?
3: I think it's time to stop talking about other people's shitty stories. It's time to
1: make our own. Yeah,
3: but not even stories. No, I mean, at, at best, I think they're sketches.
0: Yeah, they're like tweets that take six minutes to read.
1: Justin, of course I miss doing sketches, but I'm I'm done with the internet. I'm done with YouTube. I'm done with Facebook. I'm in LA now. I'm I'm a film festival guy.
2: Look, you guys know I'm down to do like whatever is needed to get out of this meeting, but on a scale of 0 to boring radio is a 10 spot my
3: man mate what if i told you we weren't in a studio right now but we we're actually at a baseball game
2: oh okay okay cool we're pretending we're at a baseball game yeah isn't it fun <laughs> yeah yeah i mean um look look over there it's cracker jacks that's it dirt yeah Swing and a hit, you got it. Hey, food guy, food guy walking. Hey, I'll have uh, five, five junior dogs, please. Ooh, and a churro. I'll oh, catch it. Did he catch it? Oh, baseball.
3: Or Nate, what about this? Where are we? It's a haunted house, Nathan.
2: I want to get the fuck out of here, Evan.
3: Hope you're not afraid of ghouls.
2: Ghouls, check. Goblins, check. Can we please go somewhere else?
3: Okay, okay. Something more peaceful, I get it. How about this? Hmm,
2: that's nice. Where are we?
3: Nate, we are underwater. Cool. We can finally do that invertebrate sketch.
2: The one about rim jobs? Yeah, bottom feeders. (laughs) What was that? Okay.
1: Justin, look me in the eye right now. Look at me. I'm looking right at look you. Look at me. I'm looking right at you, Travis. Promise me we won't do anything about Trump.
0: Well, that depends. How's your Trump impression?
1: Hey, I'm building a wall over here. What was that?
2: Grab the retarded guy by the pussy. and tweet. Send tweet.
0: We're not doing a Trump thing.
1: Fair enough. Alright, well, what are we calling this thing? Well, as you know,
0: I've been dating a lot of blind women lately and I keep bragging about Cook Street and all the videos we've done and they look at me like I'm, I mean, just a voice a couple of feet away.
3: Jay, no, I've got this. Um, Why should people with vision or visioners? Visionaries. Visionaries. Why should they get all the yucks?
1: Okay, comedy for the blind it is. Hashtag inclusive.
2: This episode of Comedy for the Blind is brought to you by Ear, Nose, and Throat Doctors of America, helping us hear, smell, and swallow. Thanks, guys.
1: Hey, Dipheads. A simple question for you What do Mussolini, Jesus, and Tim Allen have in common? Well, they all knew the value of a good night's sleep. Today's episode is sponsored by Aaron's Mattresses. At Aaron's, we don't care what you did while you were awake. Go to SleepyAaron.com, click on Watch Me Sleep to make a video appointment with one of our nap guides. Enter the promo code DIP, that's D-I-P, and receive 40% off your first mattress. Rest by Aaron, because sleep unites us. welcome to episode 116 of the desert island podcast my name is kevin i'll be your host walking you through the ins and outs of surviving and thriving after waking up from a mescaline trip and finding out you must have crashed your pontoon boat onto a tiny island a quick recap of last episode we briefly debated the pros and cons of dehydration then attempted to reenact season four of Friends before collapsing in exhaustion, which led to a couple hours of sleeping while a troop of monkeys ransacked our remaining supplies. Actually, funny note, we didn't even realize that it happened until our listener wrote in. So big thanks to Kevin for the heads up there. Unfortunately, that did take a real chunk out of the remaining life on our laptop battery. Sarah, how much battery life do we have left? Your Mac is at 21%. Okay, well... Looks like it'll be a short one today. Let's go! I'd like to start today by discussing something I've been thinking about a lot recently, and that is sand. So before I was stranded, I never really thought much about sand. Of course, I knew what it was. But if you'd asked me to describe how it makes me feel um, or to expound on on how unmalleable it is as a building resource, I wouldn't have had much to say. I did have a good grasp on dirt, which is sand's urban cousin, but the differences are anything but granular This might surprise you, but the more you stare at sand, the more you end up missing dirt. The key difference between the two is that dirt contains clay, and clay is made up of thousands of electrically charged particles that stick together when exposed to water. Hold up. What's that? We know what that sound means. Okay. Okay. Our listeners know whenever a bird flies by, I try to knock it out of the air with sandballs. Hold on, okay. So, I have two main goals here sustenance and companionship. So, what I'm finding here is actually a callback to the previous segment a sandball, when released, will quickly. Turn back into fucking sand. Okay, uh, he's gone. Let's see, what else is going on with me? Oh, actually, there is something I wanted to talk about. So I've been working really hard recently at not being present. So many of us these days are consumed with the idea of existing, of existing within the moment. To focus on the now, basically. Obviously, given my current situation, living in the moment is a really bad idea. So I've been doing these little exercises to try and let life pass me by as quickly as possible. Number one, take only short and irregular breaths. Tip number two, bear witness to bears. I found that my fear of bears is a great way to avoid thinking about all the things that are actually killing me. Tip number three, see if you can find your pants. It's, hold on, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. My bad, guys. Um, I thought, uh, thought I saw a boat. It was not a boat. Pretty sure it was the whale carcass that we broadcast from um, episode 79. Oh, man. My eyesight is pretty shot these days. i um, been staring at the sun a lot. I um, should probably start editing this thing. So thank you for listening to another episode of the desert Island podcast. Remember to check out our sponsor Aaron's mattresses promo code is, I don't know, whatever. And please rate and review us on iTunes. We've been told that really helps. And we have one five-star review pending internet access. A uh, huge thanks to our podcast producer, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.
2: Your satisfaction is all the thanks I need.
1: Okay.
3: Comedy for the blind is brought to you by Jinko Jeans. Fashion is cyclical, so Sorry.
2: Gather round now, children, and join me by the fire. I have carols to read, and you bodies to tire. Open your Christmas ears, finish your Christmas roast. This story has action, and visits from three ghosts. T'was a night like tonight, in a snowy, quiet place. And it stars an old miser. Now zoom in on his face! He's sad and alone. Well, at least he has his money. It filled his life with power, while the rest of it was funny. Ebenezer Splooge, they called him, so pasty and true. His story, though obscure, is familiar to a few. It involves ejaculation, and all those offended. He was rather crotchety, if puns may be intended. A door slams shut. Well, fuck, this isn't good. The old man jumped up. (laughs) There, his first ghost stood. Who are you? Said Ebenezer.
1: Here, take this cash.
2: I don't need your money. Now let's go. To your past. It's Christmas 67. Our old miser, just a teen. Standing under mistletoe with his girlfriend. Eileen? Yes, it's Eileen.
0: I don't want to watch this. Come on, just a glance, for this is
2: why we are here, to see you come your pants. The young boy did spasm, <sighs> then his shoulders did relax. He looked down in horror, so much for Christmas slacks.
1: Can we get out of here?
2: He asked, a bit insecure. I was
1: young and dumb, with spurts premature. Then a crash,
2: then a bang, splooge was back in the present. He checked his groin for dryness, which felt somewhat pleasant. <sighs> Am I horny from that flashback? Damn, these balls are blue. So he paid a girl for sex, as losers often do. When it came time to finish, he pulled out with grace and asked her permission to...
1: Climax on face?
2: face. Then, without warning, this girl became ghost. Hi, Ebenezer, I'm the...
4: Oh! Ah, fucking Gross!
2: I'm sorry, I'm ashamed. Please forgive my fetish.
4: Your life lacks love, which we'd show you if you let us.
2: The ghost grabbed a towel, then poof, he disappeared. Ebenezer now alone, the sum of what he feared. The house then collapsed, in its place a dismal grave. Here lies splooge, it says plus the zero fucks he gave.
1: What? Who wrote that epitaph? Where's my
4: third ghost? Twas Bob Cratchit.
2: A voice said, He hated you most. (laughs) The old miser cried, (laughs) seeing what the metaphor meant. For splooge came on his workers, like the top 1%. Oh
1: no,
4: and Tiny Tim? Definitely. I want to help those in need. It's too late for that. You covered everyone in seed. Okay, gotta go. No, don't leave me! Sleep tight, splooge. No!
2: (sighs) Twas now Christmas morning. He knew it by the sounds. Ebenezer jumped up. Not a ghost to be found. He put on his slippers, he kept on his gown. He ran to the stairs and took every step down.
1: How do you think?
4: Merry Christmas. Hello.
1: Greetings, fair city. What a wonderful morn. Morning, Last minute goose shopping, is ya?
2: He hopped to the market and purchased some porn.
1: Sir, wait. Keep the change, he yelled. I'm headed to the bank, the one that takes sperm and allows me to yank.
2: He beat his dick dry, donating by the cup, so some lesbian could get knock it up. He learned his Christmas lesson. He felt like an elf. For life is too short to keep splooge yourself
0: this episode of comedy for the blind is brought to you by pennies pennies at this point they cost more to produce than the monetary value that is created by their production oh well i guess it still makes sense with a c
3: Welcome to Up Next, I'm Gary Leaf. The Pixar film Dishes 2 hits theaters tomorrow, and if earlier views are any indication, it should be another box office smash for the Disney-owned animation studio. Dishes 2 is told from the perspective of Christopher Cup, a never-been-used tumbler who lives in the back corner of Cabinet 2 in the Newman family kitchen. Christopher yearns to see the world outside the shelf that he lives on.
2: Susan, George, you're back. What'd you get filled with?
4: Oh, Christopher, nothing terribly exciting. Just some fresh lemonade
2: for Mrs. Newman. And I was beer, followed by more beer. Wow. What was the dishwasher like? Normal cycle? It was very loud and crowded. Too many sticking plates, if you ask me.
4: The dishwasher was fine, Christopher. It's nice to be clean again.
2: (sighs) I wish I could get dirty.
3: One night, the Newmans host a dinner party, and Christopher finds himself the sole glass in the cabinet. He sings the ballad, Why Am I So Empty, which has been nominated for an Oscar. But it isn't long before Christopher's luck turns, when the youngest Newman, Max, decides to make himself a chocolate milk, giving Christopher his first glimpse of the kitchen. The writer-director of Dishes 2, Mark Ross, is my guest today, along with his co-writer and son, Tyler. Tyler as well as Ian Anderson, who, if you couldn't tell by that clip, plays Christopher Cup, American accent and all. The aussie Anderson is famous for his starring roles in films like Insane Ted and Gunbox, as well as playing He-Man in the Masters of the Universe franchise. Dishes 2 is his first animated role. Guys, welcome to Up Next.
4: Thanks. Thanks for hey, having here. us.
3: I want to start with how this film came together, specifically Mark, a first-time writer-director, how did you get a big action star like Ian to come aboard as <laughs> a talking cup?
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, can't really take credit on that one. I don't you know. mean
2: all the blame, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, time will tell. I don't know. But um, no, in truth, it's, it was all Tyler.
3: Tyler, before you respond, I want you to know that you are probably the first 10-year-old that's been a guest on Up Next.
4: Wow, no pressure then. (laughs) I I really love Ian's movies. His characters always have a lot of strength and kill a lot of people and sometimes I'm scared, but He-Man is very cool. So I wrote a letter to Ian's agent about being in me and my dad's movie. Here we are, Gary.
3: Ian, what was it about the script or the Rosses themselves that caused you to take this leap of faith into animation?
2: Well, that was a selective retelling of how I became attached. Truth is that Tyler, Wiley Little Bugger, he tricked me. He told the Dying Wish Foundation that he had a spine cancer and wanted to meet me before he died. So I did and saw that he had wildly misrepresented the reality of his condition. But, you know, then I read the script and I was in.
3: So, Mark, take us back a few years. How does the premise for Dishes 2 first come about?
2: Well, I think it's an idea I've always
1: been tinkering with, subconsciously at least. I spent a lot of time as a kid just setting the table and putting the dishes away. And then as a busboy in college, I remember thinking, if only these plates could talk,
4: I wonder what they'd say.
3: And Tyler, what about you? When did Dad first ask you to help him shape the story of Dishes 2?
4: Uh, it was a long time ago. I think I was eight Dad and my mom were fighting a lot because she made him move out and because he hadn't sold a script in ages. And my mom was so tired of okay, paying Tyler, all the bills Tyler, and bringing Tyler, home the bacon
1: This Tyler, year. he doesn't need our life story about it, okay?
4: Dad, I'm telling it. Okay. Sorry, Gary. So I visited his apartment once and I saw the script and I read it. And I told him, I want to help you make this good. Because in its current state, it is not dead. But if you want good, if that's what you're going for, just put it in old Tyler's paws.
3: Hmm. And what did he say?
4: He said, I work better alone. So I asked my mom to tell him I had spine cancer. And then he agreed to collaborate on it based on that lie.
3: Wow, that is a wonderful story. uh, And a wonderful movie. What surprised me most about this film is that there was no Dishes 1, as it were. Is that correct? Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah, so when we pitched it to Pixar, I thought it might give us a better chance if they thought it was a sequel to a movie they had already made. And, and by the time they realized they'd been duped, we were
2: well into production.
3: And Ian, were you worried about what would happen to your career or your reputation if Disney ever found out?
2: Well, no, this is the first I'm hearing about it. Mark, what the hell, mate? Why would you call a film Dishes 2 if there's no Dishes 1? Look, Gary, for me, it all starts with the character. If I understand them, if I can find my way in, so to speak, and discover what makes them tick, you know? For Insane Ted, it was sadism and his relationship with his abusive grandmother. For Christopher Cup, it was the helplessness of meeting the love of your life and having that taken away.
3: Okay, so as we said before, the boy Max, voiced by Tyler, pours milk into Christopher, who feels the euphoria of being full for the first time only to have chocolate squirted in. And that's when we meet a spoon called Sophie, voiced by Reese Witherspoon, no relation, and they have this immediate connection as she stirs the syrup inside Christopher.
4: That was my idea.
3: Then Christopher is put on the bottom rack of the dishwasher and makes friends with all these other characters, like Bob the Bowl, Professor Spatula, and the grumpy coffee mug, um... Sal. So. Sal, yes. And there's this really scary sequence where the dishes are being rinsed and Christopher's lost, running through this maze of plates. And, oh, well, let's just play a clip.
2: I can't see anything. Where is everybody?
3: Quick! Grab my handle! Sal! We gotta find Sophie! No one talks to the silverware kid. They got their own basket and everything. Christopher! Is that you?
2: Bob! Where are you? Where's Bob? I'm stuck in a salad spinner! Guys, watch out! Beats are kind coming through! Ah!
3: What a fun scene.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we knew this scene in The Dishwasher was sort of our big set piece, and it's why you cast someone with Ian's action pedigree, because you don't want the audience ever questioning what they're seeing. Like, okay, but can a cup really do that?
2: I should add, I did not do my own stunts on this film. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but Ian, it's a cartoon!
2: All right, Dylan, relax.
3: So Christopher eventually finds Sophie, but all her fork brothers are heckling him, and the knife leader, Mac, tries to fight Christopher. So there are some pretty adult themes in this film Uh, segregation, nationalism, homosexuality. I, I I don't think we dealt with that last one. Oh. I'm I'm sorry. I I just assumed because the main character wanted to escape the quote-unquote cabinet, and once he starts identifying as a dish who is now out and living his truth as... Okay, right, but but he's in love with Sophie, and
2: she's... Mac, if I may, this is something that Reese and I had talked about a lot on set. These dishes are locked away all the time and repressed, and it's confusing when you get the dishwasher and there's water everywhere and a certain fluidity to gender and orientation... And when I was Christopher, to Gary's point, I was 100% a bisexual cup.
4: I don't know about 100%, but we wanted the audience to have their own interpretation of what certain things signify. Dishes tend to be stored with other dishes that look like them. And even the chocolate milk. Christopher and Sophie have this, this sensual scene where they literally integrate white and brown. Of course, the four- and five-year-olds in the audience won't always get that subtext cleanly, but we wanted to make a movie that appealed to viewers of all ages.
2: Well said, Tyler. Eat it, Mark. That was well said. I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: not, I'm proud of it. I want to wrap
3: is- up by talking about the climax of the film. In a dark twist, Sophie gets stuck in the dishwasher. Weeks go by without another load being run, and the reason not becoming apparent until Christopher shimmies out of the cabinet and confronts Max. Let's hear that interaction.
2: Hey, Max! Down here! Huh? What? Who said that? It's me, Christopher. I'm a cub. You can talk? Don't freak out, but yes. I'll explain later. Oh, I think I'm gonna hurl. Wait! Kid, I gotta rescue this spoon I'm in love with. What's going on with you guys not using any dishes?
4: Uh, I don't know. I don't live here anymore. Just my dad does. And all he eats is takeout.
2: Ugh, takeout?
4: Why? Because he can't cook for himself. That's why he's such a loser. My mom's words, not mine. She wants divorce. Bummer, kid.
2: Maybe I can help.
4: Oh, yeah? You and what dishes are me?
3: So, Tyler, I presume this part of the story and the situation with Max's parents is very personal to you.
0: It is. What was it
3: like helping your dad finish the script for a movie that seems to represent his failures as a father just as much as it does okay. him as a screenwriter?
2: Okay, Jesus Christ, where did that question come Mac, from? let the boy talk.
4: Are you asking, did I ever wish that one of my cups would talk to me and that he'd sound like my hero, Ian Anderson. And he'd help me save my parents' marriage by convincing all the other dishes to put aside their ethnic differences and work together for once, helping my dad cook and serve a big romantic meal where my mom finally forgives him in act three. And we start using real plates and real forks again. And Ian rescues his spoon princess from the dishwasher and everyone goes on to live happily ever after? Never. That's just make-believe. And what actually happened, me and my dad working on this movie every day for the past three years was way cooler because it was real.
1: Hmm. Um, Just to add on to what Tyler said, um, we are all very rich now. Cook Street Productions. Thank you so much for listening. Hey. Do you know Do you know anything about algorithms? Can you please help trick the algorithm into making others think this is a good podcast? It seems Seems like you know something. You must be smart. You listen to a
2: Cook Street Productions podcast. Please? Please help.